the famous Lord Horatio Nelson, commanded many splendid victories at sea. And after one of his victories, Lord Nelson confronted the French admiral who was surrendering. The French admiral approached Horatio Nelson in all his regalia and his full-dress uniform with his sword swinging by his side. And the admiral put out his hand to shake Lord Nelson's hand, at which Nelson stepped back, put up his hand, and he said, your sword first. You know, I've thought about that story and how it might illustrate the surrender that you and I have to, have to experience with Jesus. Sometimes I think that we are like that French admiral. Sometimes I think we want to go, come to God on our own terms, with our own definition of surrender, of the things that are on the table and the things that aren't on the table. And I think sometimes the Lord has to say to us kindly but firmly, your sword first. We're going to be talking about surrender this morning, and I would invite you just to bow your heads with me where you are as we ask God to be with us. Father, in the few minutes that we have to share today, I just want to pray that you'll speak to us as we've been talking about what it means to grow spiritually, how we can grow in you. I pray that today that we might, we might experience surrender on your terms, that we might grow. This is our prayer, our desire for your presence. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, sometimes we talk about what it means to surrender. Last week we talked about surrender being a prerequisite to faith, right? We can't really exercise faith unless we experience surrender, because surrender is what allows us to comply with the conditions so that God's Word can be fulfilled in our lives, right? You see, we call something, we call trusting the promises of God faith when it's done in surrender. But when we trust in the promises of God when we haven't allowed Him to work in our lives, we call that presumption. There's a big difference, and it all hinges on this concept of surrender. So today we're going to be talking more about surrender. You know, some might be, think, might be tempted to think that after a four-part series on how to grow spiritually, this is our fourth, our fourth time we've been talking about that subject, some might be tempted to think, well, growing spiritually is just awfully complicated. You know, I have to learn about all these things, and I have to keep it all in my head, and I have to, have to you know, do it all in the right order. And, and listen, friends, this morning I want you to know something very clearly. I want us to understand something I believe which is very important, and that is that God doesn't try to make salvation difficult. He makes it simple. And so if I were to summarize all of the things we've talked about, we've talked about, we've talked about knowing ourselves better. We've talked about knowing Jesus better. We've talked about faith and living by faith. We've talked about going through trials and embracing them as agents of growth instead of curses somehow that were allowed to come our way. But of all the things we've talked about, all things we could talk about, about growing spiritually, there's one word that we could summarize everything into. It's all you really need to know, and that's the one word, surrender. That's simple, isn't it? 
It's simple. There's just one thing, and it's so simple. You see, there's nothing preventing a surrendered mind from being taught by Christ. Are you with me? Of course we're going to learn about Him and about us if we're surrendered, because there's nothing preventing a surrendered mind from being taught about Christ. There's nothing preventing a surrendered heart from obeying Christ and following His Word. Amen? There's, nothing to, to, there's no obstacle between Christ and the soul when it is surrendered. To be saved, we need not be necessarily intellectual or theological, but we do need to be surrendered. We do need that experience which is in, within the reach of every single one of us every single day. You don't have to wait till tomorrow to start over. You don't have to wait until tomorrow till you learn something new. Within the reach of every single one of us today is the experience of surrender. Surrender. Our scripture today, Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13 says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with what? All your heart. Now, I want us to just recognize something about this verse. There used to be a time when I would read this verse and I would say, wow, God sure is playing hard to find, isn't he? We have to look and look and look and try really hard to find God. But now I read this verse a little differently. I don't think that this verse is saying how hard God is to find or how difficult it is, like God's playing hide-and-seek with His people. No, I don't think that's what it's saying at all. I think that what this verse is trying to tell us is that if we want to find God, we're guaranteed to find Him when we are willing to find Him surrendering our whole heart. Does that make sense? If I'm willing to put my all on the altar, if I'm willing to give Him everything, I'm going to find Him. It's not defining how difficult God is to find. It's promising how faithful He is to be found when we comply with the conditions. And it's simply the condition of surrender. Giving Him our all. Giving Him our hearts. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I believe all that is needed in order for us to be saved, in order for us to grow spiritually, is an unreserved surrender. As long as I am still keeping a corner of my house that is not allowed, God is not allowed in. As long as I'm still keeping a corner of my heart where God is not allowed to have His will and work His way, I'm not going to find the experience of grace and peace and faith that I need to grow spiritually. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. As long as I am leaving a reservation in my surrender, as long as I'm keeping my sword or some of my weapons, I'm not really surrendering all to Jesus. So this morning, I want us to understand first and foremost We can talk about technicalities, we can talk about lifestyle, we can talk about about doctrines and all of these things, but what God is interested in first and foremost is our heart. Christianity is a religion not of creed, not of externals. Christianity at its core is a religion of the heart. God cares about the heart. Oh, yes. He asks us to give Him some of these things, right? Not because He cares about them, not because they're so important to Him, but because they stand between us and Him. 
because they keep our hearts from beating in one with His heart. That's why God asks us to surrender. It's not so that we will be defeated. No, defeat, surrender is how we overcome. Surrender is the first step to victory. You see, God is not interested in all the technical outside things so much as He's interested in our hearts. And how do we give Him our hearts? It's when we surrender. It's when we give Him the things that are important to us. So I want to talk this morning very briefly. What are some of the obstacles to surrender? And we could make a a very long list this morning. I'm sure there are many that we could think of. But one of the obstacles to surrender that I have found is fear. Does that make sense? Have you ever felt afraid to surrender your life to God? As a young person, I remember thinking that at times. I remember thinking, if I give my life unreservedly with nothing held back to God, what is He going to do with my life? You know, maybe He's going to make me like one of those people, whoever those people are, missionaries or whoever, pastor. Maybe I don't want to be a pastor. Right? There's fear in what God will do with your life if you give everything to Him. My personal experience this morning, and I want to share this candidly with you, is that there's nothing to be afraid of in giving your life to Jesus. Unreservedly. There's God knows better how to make us happy than we know how to make ourselves happy. God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows the future, which we don't have a clue about. He knows how to give us the most fulfilling, most abundant life. That's why He came, John 10, verse 10. I am come that they might have life. They might have it, what? More abundantly. Jesus is not someone to be fearful about giving your life to. You can trust Him with your life. But fear is one of the reasons we, we fail to surrender everything. Sometimes it's pride, isn't it? We've said we're going to be a certain way or we're not going to be a certain way. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, give, me to, give this to me too, we say no. I've already said that's not a salvational issue. That's not something I'm going to worry about. The Spirit says, give it to me. Our pride stands between us sometimes and being willing to surrender our hearts to Jesus. Something else, ambition. Sometimes we have a particular idea of what, how we want to live our lives, what we want to do, how we want to, to uh, order our steps. I'm going to tell you a little, bit, a little bit about my experience a little later. Sometimes we're just plain selfish, right? We don't want to surrender whatever that is that God is speaking to. And probably the most common, the all-time favorite reason why people do not make a complete surrender to God, it's not that they don't want to or intend to or know they should or simply because they never get around to it. Procrastination tomorrow After I do this, after I've accomplished this in life, once I've reached this, then I will make a complete surrender of my life to Jesus. These and many more obstacles prevent us often from making a complete surrender, an unreserved surrender to Jesus. You know, sometimes, sometimes we don't even know how. Because in our hearts, Even with these obstacles or some other obstacles, with our hearts, we don't even want to make us surrender to Jesus. Have you ever thought about the dichotomy of the Christian experience? The Bible says 
that we can't change our own hearts, right? We can't change our own hearts. The Bible also says that the carnal mind, in Romans chapter 8, the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's at war with God. It's not subject to the things of God. Neither indeed can be. That's our natural, unconverted condition, right? There's a problem with that. The problem is my natural heart doesn't even want to be surrendered. My natural heart isn't willing to make this kind of a surrender, and I can't do it myself, so what do I do? I love this passage from Acts of the Apostles. It says it this way, Of ourselves, we are not able to bring the purposes and desires and inclinations into harmony with the will of God. But if we are, notice the phrase here, what does she say? Willing to be made willing. (laughs) I love that. The Savior will accomplish this for us, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This phrase, willing to be made willing, tells me that it's not even surrender is not something that I can do of myself. It's Jesus that can do it in my heart. Jesus has to be the one that changes my heart. There's sometimes when I say, listen, Lord, I love this too much to give it to you. Do you think it surprises him? Does God ever, if we're just brutally honest with God, does he ever, you know, fall off the throne in shock and surprise? Does that, does, do we ever catch God off guard thinking, oh my, Chester, I didn't know you were like that? Absolutely not. We might as well be honest with him, right? We might as well be frank and, and candid with the God who knows our heart anyway and just tell Him how we feel. I don't feel like I can surrender this to you. I'm not willing to give that up. I'm not willing to allow you to come into that room in my heart. But I'm willing to be made willing. You only can change my heart. I need that heart change. And if we're willing to be made willing, friends, God will work in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. Oh, we can't do this of ourselves. We can't do this of ourselves. You might think this is so elementary. Pastor, why are you talking about surrender? You know, I've learned something in my years doing evangelism. I learned that when someone is coming to Christ, they have certain external things in their lives they have to surrender. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's an immoral lifestyle. In some cases, the cleaver of truth separates them from their previous social circles, even brings division within their families. And you recognize that when people make a decision to follow the Word of God, to obey His Word, if you love me, keep my commandments, you recognize something, that when someone is learning new truth and they're saying, I'm willing to follow Jesus, even if it means giving up X whatever it is, you realize they're surrendering, right? That's what they're doing. They're surrendering to the Word of God. But there's a problem. Once they come into the church and once they're believers and once they're baptized, we sometimes sort of pretend like that's the end of surrender. We don't teach them what it means to still surrender. I mean, they've given up their drugs and their alcohol and whatever else that was, that was, they, they were convicted, the Lord wanted to give them up, and they've, they've checked off that checklist, and now, now they're in the church, and it's no wonder they lose their first love experience with Jesus because the life of surrender ends when they come into the church. 
And I propose to you this morning, friends, that as church members, as believers, as Christians, we need to experience surrender too. But many of us don't. We don't, we don't even know what, what, it's, what it means. And so that's why I share this with you this morning. I think it's important for me, I think it's important for you to be willing to be made willing. There are two things, and we're just having a short time together today, so um, we're just going to have look at two things, two ways that we could identify surrender. The first is by giving up. Giving up. You might find that to be obvious. That's what we usually think of surrender to be, right? When there's two sides in conflict and there is a there is an obvious victory, an obvious victory on one side. The other side has to surrender, right? They lay down their weapons. They, they fly the white flag. They, they put up their hands. There are many ways that we can signal surrender, right? And sometimes we think of surrender in, to, to God as being going from living a life of sin and giving, living a life in the world and a life without God to coming to the church and living a life with God and doing good things. And that's true. But sometimes even those of us who are in the church, as I speak for myself, sometimes even us who are pastors, we have to learn about giving up even from doing the good things. Because the temptation is for us to become comfortable and self-confident because of the good things that we do. Are you following? The temptation is for me to say, well, I go to church, I pay my tithe, I do good deeds, I do X, Y, Z, I don't do this, I don't do that, this is my lifestyle, and I can become comfortable. Surrender ultimately is about giving up, which means I say, Lord, I can't. I can't make myself better. I can't make myself worthy. I can't be saved unless there's a miracle. Somehow God has to bring us to that experience, to that position where we're really willing to say, I give up. I've tried doing good and I've tried doing everything I should do. I've tried, tried, I've tried trying and it didn't work. And God has to bring us to the point where even as Christians, we throw up our hands and we say, I'm lost, except for Jesus. I'm lost unless He performs a miracle. I'm lost unless He changes my heart and life every single day. Unless I can depend upon Him moment by moment. This is what it means to surrender, to give up. And it's not just giving up doing bad things. It's giving up doing good things. Doing good things for the wrong reason, right? You see, we don't obey Jesus in order for Him to save us. We obey Jesus because He has saved us. And there's a whole world of a difference. Jesus doesn't love us because we do good things. We obey Him and keep His commandments because we love Him who has first loved us. And we need, oh, how I need frequently to be reminded, I need to give up. I need to give up. Stop trying to work out my own righteousness and trust in the righteousness of Jesus. 
Stop trying to, to recommend myself to God by doing all the good things that I do and start realizing it's only His blood that can save me from my sins and from myself. Giving up is admitting defeat. It's admitting the impossibility of being saved on our own. Jeremiah 13, verse 23 says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then may you also do good who are accustomed to do evil. But we, in our, in our subconscious will to be good, we challenge this text on a regular basis. We think we can know better than Jeremiah. And surrender is nothing more than saying, Jeremiah, you're right. I can't change myself. It's only Jesus. What's the first way we can describe, we can think about surrender? Giving up. The second is similar to it, and that is giving all. Giving all. Now, I remember one time a young lady came to me. I was teaching high school, Bible teacher, and young lady came to me and she says, you know, I know that we're supposed to surrender everything. And we're supposed to surrender all every day. But how in the world are we expected to surrender everything? I mean, the list would get longer and longer and longer every day, wouldn't it? I mean, I have all the things that I need to surrender. And if it's, you know, if you're a student, you don't have the cars and houses and boats and whatever else that may be an idol in your life. But even as a student, you have things, right? We all have things that sometimes we hold in high estimation. We all have, we all have friendships, perhaps, relationships. We all have ideas or ambitions or futures or something. And if we were to try to make a list of everything we're supposed to surrender, it would become so tedious and so burdensome. And how could we ever surrender everything every day? It almost seems impossible, doesn't it? Let's turn in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. I want us to think about this a little more so we have a clear answer when we leave here in a few minutes. What it means to surrender everything to surrender all, giving all to Jesus. Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to read beginning in verse 16. Matthew 19 and verse 16. It says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? We already recognize that this gentleman had not yet learned what it meant to give up, did he? <laughs> he was still trying to do some good thing in order to earn eternal life. Jesus says to him, verse 17, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you will enter into life, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth up. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Verse 22, very sad verse. It says, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away, how does it say? Sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You see, my friends, it's not that possessions that by themselves 
are bad, are they? Is it wrong to have things? Is it wrong to be successful? Absolutely not. I don't think that's what God is trying to teach you. That's not what Jesus is trying to say. But in every person's life, listen to me carefully, in every person's life, I believe, there is something that is in danger, if not in actuality, of getting between their heart and Jesus. Are you following? I don't think there's any exceptions. I don't think if the, even if we surrender everything yesterday that there's not a danger of something getting between us and Jesus today. You see, for this man who really wanted to do right, it was his things. He would go to the ends of the earth. He would do all kinds of things for Jesus, but his possessions were near and dear to him. It's like the story I heard of a very well-to-do businessman who was giving his testimony one night in prayer meeting. And he said, he said, uh, you know, I count my success to be the result of God's blessing. Years ago, when I was just a, a boy, I got a job and earned my first dollar. And after I earned my first dollar, I, I had it in my pocket, and I went to church, and I, there was a missionary there making an appeal for missions offering. My heart was touched. It was the hardest thing I ever did, but I pulled that one dollar, the only dollar I had, everything I had, and I put it in the offering. And I believe, he said, that this is why God has blessed me with so many millions today. I gave everything to him. After his testimony, he went and sat down. One of the elderly ladies in the church leaned over from the pew behind and said, I dare you to do it again. <laughs> it is not, friends, that having money is wrong. It's are we willing to give whatever that is, whatever it is in your heart, in my heart, to Jesus. It may be our future, it may be our plans, it may be our pride. I want us to make this very, very simple this morning. To give all to Jesus, you don't need to make a laundry list. You only need to surrender that one thing which is nearest and dearest to your heart and which the Holy Spirit is prompting you needs to be laid on the altar. I don't believe that it needs to be a sin. I think it may be a good thing. It may be a good thing you have or a good thing you are doing that needs to be laid on the altar. Surrender that one thing which you are being convicted of. You see, if we are spending time with Jesus and in His Word, if we are asking Him, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If we are having this experience, my friends, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to whisper something in our ears and we are going to be willing to say, okay, that's it. That's what I need to surrender today in order to be completely surrendered to Jesus. That's, that's all. Is that simple? I'm not trying to say it's easy. I know this has been referred to as the hardest battle ever fought, 
But it's simple, friends. One word, surrender. Give our hearts and lives to Jesus. Maybe it's a relationship that needs to be mended, and pride has kept us from making things right. Surrender it to Jesus. Don't go away sorrowful. Go away with joy, because that's what surrender brings. Surrender brings joy. I remember in my own experience, I struggled with God's calling on my heart. I felt at at an age, probably around when I was about 14 years old, I began to feel convicted that I was called to the gospel ministry. The problem was I didn't want to be in the ministry. I had my own ideas. I grew up, and there's nothing wrong with these things, but I grew up in a home of health professionals, and um, I had every intention to go into medicine. I thought medicine was where I wanted to be. I thought that's where I would be happy, and I wanted to be a doctor. And I began to be convicted that I was not called to be a doctor. I was called to go into ministry. And this argument, this almost in the subconscious, but every once in a while breaking through into the conscience, uh, conscious, um, this argument went on year after year, me and God, sort of in this tug-of-war, surrender or not. And I, 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 I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And, and I remember thinking, you know, if, if I'm a doctor, I can, I, can, um, I can be a missionary doctor, and then I'll go into ministry and be a doctor, you know, sort of compromise with God. Surrender on my terms, you see. It's like shaking Nelson's hand with my sword still by my side. I wanted to have it my way and have it his way too. But when God asks us for our heart, it's for our whole heart. That's it. Our whole heart. And there's one thing, there's one particular thing that I thought, and this was sort of silly. It sounds sort of childish standing here today and telling you about it. But when I talked to my doctor friends and others who I had been, many of them had been missionaries. And this is one of the things that really inspired me because I wanted, I was really interested in mission service. And... um, these doctor friends that had been missionaries and, and others, they, they told me about their tales from around the world and, and the different experiences they'd had. One of them was a dentist from Pakistan and he, the different experiences he had had back there. And others, you know, from, from different parts of the world told me these awe-inspiring stories. And I just, as a boy, I wanted to be there. I wanted to do those things. And, you know, the doctors got to, it seemed like they traveled more. They saw the world and I just wanted to travel. And God said to me, I'm calling you to the ministry. And finally, I came to the point where I said, okay, Lord, okay. And deep in my heart, I thought, you know, I'm giving up, I'm giving up everything that I'd hoped for, everything that I'd wanted. I'm giving up ever being able to travel and see the world. And I'm going to give my life to Jesus. The good news, my friends, is that when we give our heart to Jesus, when we give Him everything, if there's anything in our ambition in our life that is good, He's going to give it back to us refined and sanctified and with interest, better than it would have been if we kept it for ourselves. And the reality became, I'd never expected this. I I gave up my ambition to travel. There came a point in my life when I said, Lord, I've had enough of travel. I've seen too much of the world. I think I've crossed the Atlantic. Something uh, last time I counted was over 106 times. Pacific many times. I've seen many parts of this world. I've enjoyed it. But I'm here to tell you that when you give everything to Jesus, He doesn't take good things away from you. He knows what you need to be happy, what I need to be happy. 
And I realize now that I would not be happy seeing sick people all day, that God knew that I was called to ministry. And God has His way, and His way is always best. I like the story of an offering appeal some years ago. It was in the East Coast back in the Pioneers' days. It actually took place in the state of Pennsylvania. And uh, this particular minister that morning received a letter from his, from his uh, denominational board. They were their missionary board. They were sending missionaries to the West Coast in those days, wild territory, and a big mission field. And so he was to tell this sermon, give this sermon on the needs of winning souls and telling others about Jesus in barbaric areas of the Wild West, and then collect an offering. And as he preached his sermon, the sermon that had been provided for him that day, he realized it wasn't going over very well. He saw the banker over on one side who was sort of uh, looking at his watch a couple times politely under the cover of his hand. He saw the businessman on the other side who was, you know, sort of yawning under the cover of his hand politely. And he realized it just hadn't gone across very well. Sometimes as pastors you just realize this one didn't fly. And so they passed the offering plate and the banker who could have given $100, you know, put in a few cents and a businessman and the others who could have given a lot of money, they contributed a little bit, and back in the back pew was a little girl named Maggie. And as the pastor was speaking, the Holy Spirit was speaking to her heart. She, got, she had a burden in her heart to do something for the missionaries, something to help other people know about Jesus. But Maggie didn't have anything. You see, Maggie was a cripple girl. And she, her parents were poor, and she had spent much of her life indoors because she couldn't run and play with the rest of the kids. And finally, there had been an offering, a collection taken up for her to buy her a pair of crutches. And Maggie had, with this new pair of crutches, Maggie had been able to go out and play with the kids. And Maggie was just a, a ray of sunshine wherever she went, always smiling and always happy. But now she's thinking, I don't even have a penny to give. And a little voice whispered in her ear, you have your crutches. You have your crutches. My crutches? No, not my crutches. I can't give my crutches. If you give your crutches, someone will know about Jesus. If you give your crutches, someone will hear the good news of salvation. Oh, but I can't give my crutches. And a little struggle, a, a big struggle was going on in the little girl's heart back on the back pew. Have you ever had one of those struggles? Is there anything wrong with crutches? Is there anything sinful about having crutches? Absolutely not. But Maggie is being asked to give her crutches. And as the deacon came and looked in the back pew, he saw only Maggie, and he was about to pass, but politely he extends the offering plate, and awkwardly Maggie makes a decision with a little bit of glistening in her eyes, and she, she 
places her crutches on top of the offering plate. The deacon begins to feel a lump in his throat, you know, and you hear clearing his throat, and he's trying to balance the crutches on his plate as he walks up towards the front of the church, and now every eye has turned, every head has turned, and all eyes are watching the deacon come back, and they know Maggie. They know her crutches. Maggie just gave her crutches. The banker says, I'll give $100 to buy those crutches back. Gave his money, and the crutches went back to Maggie on the back row. By popular demand, the plate was passed again. And this time, people gave from their heart because they saw what surrendering everything is. Surrendering everything is allowing God to have the thing that is nearest and dearest to our hearts. And the good news is that he gives the capital back with interest. If it's good for us, we have it back. If not, we didn't want it anyway. Oh, friends, there's no reason not to give up, not to give all. It may not sound like much of a story to you, just a little child with a pair of crutches, but I think this morning, if you'll listen carefully, you may find an inner voice saying to you this morning, your crutches, please. That means the thing that you think you can't do without. The thing that's nearest and dearest to your heart. The Master says today to us, I want your crutches. And your heart passionately cries out, No, not this thing. Not my crutches. But it's only as we give our crutches that He can carry out His plan of saving us. Do you want to give your crutches to Jesus today? Do you want to say, Lord, whatever it is, just just show me and help me to be willing to do the simplest thing, just to surrender my heart and life to you? Is that your desire? Maybe some of you are feeling like, you know, I'm not willing, but I'm willing to be made willing. And you just want to say, Lord, my carnal heart today... It's not willing to do what it was willing to do yesterday. I I don't want to give to you, but I'm willing to be made willing. That's all he needs. All he needs is a little room to be able to work in our hearts. And growing spiritually is nothing more than growing in our surrender to Jesus consistently every day. Lord, you know the prayer, the desire of every heart here. I thank you for those who've once again, along with me, decided to give all to you. Lord, we can't do it on our own. We can't change ourselves. We're not righteous. We're not good. We're lost. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that in his blood we find salvation. We find forgiveness. Thank you that we can surrender everything to the one who surrendered everything for us. Lord, even now as we close, I just pray that you'll bless each heart, each one who has made or is making this decision, 
that they might find the joy of full surrender today. Bless each one here. Bless each family. Bless each home. Bless those who couldn't be here today. And may we go forth instruments of your grace and of your love surrendered to your will this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.